mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we generally don't have to worry much about hurricane season here in Northwest Ohio, but we often go on vacation to places that do. We'll tell you what you need to know before you travel over the next several months. Also this morning, the compromise to avert a debt limit crisis required concessions on social spending. How will advocates for such programs navigate the path forward? It may be summer vacation season, but many students are already preparing for next year. And in case you missed it, the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library's annual Summer Read program is underway with the official kickoff event happening today. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, June 5th, 2023. So I don't know if you saw this or or not. This uh, went viral uh, on the internet on Friday. I guess it was. I think it was. I saw it on Twitter, and I can't even remember who it was uh, that shared this. But if you saw this, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, uh, you can look up the uh, video. Uh, apparently, I think it was. It appears to be some middle school students from South Carolina that were touring the U.S. Capitol, and. Uh, these students are all members of a children's choir, so they are touring the uh, Capitol and uh, the U.S. Capitol. They stop in the rotunda and they gather to sing the national anthem. They're the rotunda, the U.S. Capitol, only to be unceremoniously cut off by police. And uh, the video uh, spread like wildfire on social media. According to the Associated Press, Capitol Police say singers from the Rushing Brook Children's Choir from Greenville, South Carolina, were stopped because of a miscommunication. This actually happened, by the way, May 26th, so a little over a week ago. Um, the whole thing was a miscommunication, according to Capitol Police. Musical performances. Uh, in the U.S. Capitol require permission, and police said officers were unaware that the choir had received approval from the Speaker of the House. The conductor of the choir, the leader of the choir, uh, was leading these students on this tour. Um, They had worked with the delegation of, congressional delegation of South Carolina, who received permission from the House Speaker to perform the a national anthem in the rotunda. Capitol Police, though, denied the choir leader's claims that the performance was stopped because it might be found offensive. That was kind of the narrative that spread like wildfire on social media. It was not that. Uh, Capitol Police say it was because any sort of musical performance is considered a demonstration, and demonstrations generally are not allowed in the U.S. Capitol. Uh, so anyway, everything, they got it all sorted out and, uh, they did, uh, actually sing the first verse of the national anthem it was when they started in on the second verse that they were interrupted. So the whole thing, just a miscommunication, nothing to see here. We're going to move on. Anyway, if you uh, happen to see that go viral on, uh, social media over the weekend, Share the uh, full story. Crazy story. The big uh, story this morning, speaking of the Capitol, apparently people in Washington, D.C. were a little rattled yesterday uh, when they heard these huge, loud booms, not knowing exactly what was going on. Uh, Well, apparently the mystery has been solved now. The 
booms were sonic booms created by F-16 fighter jets that were scrambling to intercept a small aircraft that had violated the airspace around the U.S. Capitol and was unresponsive to attempts to contact the aircraft to get it to move out of said restricted airspace. So they scrambled the uh, fighter jets to uh, find out what was going on. And apparently, the uh, pilot is a small plane, uh, a Cessna, and apparently four people on board, nobody was responding. Um, There were some reports, I guess, that the F-16s shot the plane down. That was not true. Um, They did say that they fired off some flares to to try and get the attention of the pilot, but he appeared to be incapacitated, as did the all of the other people on board. Eventually, the plane ran out of fuel and crashed into the uh, mountains in Virginia somewhere. But uh, I thought it was rather uh, interesting and, and a bit sad that uh, four people apparently perished in this uh, in this plane crash. But the big news story is about the sonic booms. <laughs> was, we had four people die. Uh, in this plane crash, and uh, the uh, big news story is the sonic boom that everyone was, what is this? So anyway, there is speculation there. NTSB is investigating you know, what exactly happened. Speculation that hypoxia may have incapacitated the pilot and everyone else on board. That occurs when there's not enough oxygen in the cabin of the plane. Most famously, you remember uh, golfer uh, Payne Stewart uh, was on board a plane that crashed after it ran out of fuel because everyone on board became uh, incapacitated from hypoxia. That's maybe the uh, most famous, most well-known example of that. It appears that that was the case uh, in this instance as well, and there was certainly no ill intent uh, there. Just sad story. But uh, it just seems odd to me that the big part of the story, or the sonic booms, and yet four people died. It was very sad. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This, I thought, was kind of interesting. The uh, latest AI story. Seems like we're talking technology. Everything's about artificial intelligence. A Texas judge, federal judge in Texas, has now banned legal filings that are drafted using AI technology. As the big story about the uses of AI People are writing business memos and drafting emails. Students have been known to write entire term papers using AI. And now this federal judge is banning legal filings that have been drafted using AI technology. Um, At least until the documents can be checked for accuracy. U.S. District Judge Brantley Starr says attorneys have to file a certificate before appearing in court that states that AI platforms did not assist in the filing or that if they were, it was checked for accuracy accuracy using print reporters or traditional databases. The judge argues that AI platforms like ChatGPT are prone to hallucinations and bias. Hallucinations in the sense that they spit out incorrect information based on bogus inputs. Um, and he also says they can fake content such as quotes or citations, and he's having none of it. Yeah, I'm just kind of uh, interesting now, uh, the way people are responding to this uh, 
proliferation of AI in our society today. Uh, Las Vegas has uh, opened its first cannabis-friendly hotel. The first cannabis-friendly hotel, the Lexi, which is not on but close to the Las Vegas Strip, is a first for Sin City. It says here, developers say the 64-room property is the only cannabis-inclusive property in town. It will feature guest rooms and suites with the entire fourth floor designated for those who enjoy smoking the wacky weed. Uh, the floor has a new air filtration system, according to the hotel CEO. i tell you what, my wife and I were uh, in Vegas uh, back in November, and... Um, Man, you can you can smell it everywhere. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things we got back from our trip, and my wife said the only thing that I didn't like uh, was the smell of cannabis everywhere. And we've been to Vegas a number of times, but uh, it was just a little bit different. Is the proliferation is it's everywhere, at least for some, uh, ruining some of the ambiance of Sin City. Although, if you're gonna if Sin City is your name, then you pretty much have to embrace cannabis, I guess. And uh, how about this? I love this story. Put a smile on your face to start your day. A 102-year-old British woman who reads the paper every day revealed her secrets for a long and happy life to the, what was this, the Guardian? Uh, I think uh, it was the British paper. They, I mean, I, they says a 102-year-old British woman who reads The Guardian every day reveals her secrets for a long and happy life. Uh, Joyce Jackman celebrated birthday number 102 uh, about a month ago, May 9th, and shared her advice for living for more than a century. Uh, she told the staff at her... Uh, at her care home, that she credits good sex and good sherry <laughs> as the as the two keys to her satisfying life. <laughs> good sex and good sherry. Uh, she <laughs> the uh, staff and uh, staff members at the Silver Springs Senior Home, along with the family members, surprised her with a cake on her 102nd birthday. She said it was such a wonderful day, she didn't want it to end. Can't believe that I'm 102, she said. Uh, her third secret for longevity, it must be all the sh- the chocolate that I eat that has helped. <laughs> so good sex, good sherry, good chocolate. I suppose you can't argue with that. You may not live to be 102, but you will certainly enjoy the time that you have. I mean, put it that way. There you go. Uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high in the low 80s. Just a few clouds tonight, a low around 60. Miller's Root Beer and Barbecue is opening today. That's the new name of the Lima Avenue Root Beer Stand across from Cooper Tire in Findlay. Stanley Miller, the owner of Miller's Meats, bought the iconic establishment to return it to its old glory and put his own stamp on it. My mother retired from Cooper Tire, so I remember going there as a kid when she used to work in the offices. I used to go over there. I remember the first time going over there and getting the trays, seeing the frosty mugs come out to the cars back when you actually had to roll your windows down like by, by hand. 
Get more of our conversation with Miller about this root beer stand endeavor with this story on our website. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is urging drivers to slow down after stopping a car that was going more than twice the speed limit. It happened on Route 23 in Wyandotte County. A driver was going 132 miles per hour in a 65-mile-per-hour zone. The Highway Patrol is reminding drivers to slow down, saying it can wait. Already this year, troopers have issued more than 100,000 citations for excessive speed on Ohio roadways. A new lawsuit was filed with the Ohio Supreme Court by the group One Person, One Vote regarding the proposed language for the August 8th special election. This is for issue one, which, if passed, would make it harder for voters to change our Constitution. The group is arguing the language that they want to put on that ballot is too vague. It doesn't tell people what they're voting for. And the lawsuit also brings up how more direct and clear language has been used in the past. Now, to give you a quick summary, it would raise the threshold from a simple majority, 50 percent plus one to 60 percent for voters to pass a constitutional amendment. I'm Stephanie Haney. The city of Finley has promoted Captain James Mathias to the position of police chief. Former police chief Robert Ring retired at the end of April. Chief Ring left it in a very good spot so I mean it's not like we're we're struggling at any uh, point of the the department of the organization but uh, there's some certain things that I look forward to, to doing. Matthias is a former Officer of the Year for the department, as well as a recipient of the Employee Excellence Award from the City of Finley previously. Get more of our conversation with the new police chief with this story on our website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, the arrival of June means that the Atlantic hurricane season has started. And even though that is not something that we generally have to worry too much about here in Northwest Ohio, we often travel to places that do. And so with that in mind, we are joined this morning by Megan Walsh of InsureMyTrip.com, which is a travel insurance comparison site. So, Megan, this is a thing for anyone traveling to the eastern seaboard, the Gulf Coast, uh, anyone traveling between now and November. So that's going to encompass an awful lot of travel plans. Yes, definitely. Uh, it, it is something that can impact uh, a lot of travel plans. Um, also traveling to the Caribbean and, and areas like that. Sure. Uh, it's definitely something that you have to be concerned with. And I actually, uh, as it happens, did have this experience myself a number of years ago. Uh, we were vacationing with a family on the coast of Georgia when a hurricane was moving in and we had to evacuate. And boy, you talk about an unfamiliar experience for anyone who is not accustomed to that kind of event. It can be very unnerving. Definitely. And I think the first thing, you know, that you really want to think of is just getting out of harm's way. Uh, it can be a, a very dangerous event. Yeah. Um, but as you're you're traveling, making plans, uh, looking at travel insurance is a good thing to do and can be very helpful in the event that uh, a hurricane is coming yeah. prior to you traveling or also uh, during your trip. Yeah. So uh, obviously travel insurance, the best way to protect yourself. But the first thing to need that people need to know when it comes to travel insurance is that you have to buy it early, right? Yes, that is huge. Uh, So we recommend that once you have put a deposit or any money down towards your trip, then that's when you want to take a look at travel insurance. Uh, Because as we're talking about hurricanes, you want to make sure that you are purchasing your insurance prior to that hurricane being being named. 
Um, because once that does happen, it's a known event and the insurance is not going to cover yeah. issues related to that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like buying uh, health insurance after you've already gotten a diagnosis. It's not going to work. And this is the same thing with uh, travel insurance. And what exactly uh, does travel insurance cover? So there might be coverage for several different um, scenarios. So if you're flying somewhere and uh, a hurricane ground flight uh, for a certain amount of time, there could be coverage there if you uh, are delayed or if it causes you to have to cancel the trip. Um, if your destination is in the path of a hurricane, uh, there may be some plans that offer coverage uh, a certain amount of time prior to departure. If your destination is under an um, NOAA hurricane warning. Um, also, if a hurricane comes through and uh, damages the resort or hotel, your accommodations at your destination, uh, there could be coverage to cancel the trip due to that as well. So what if I have uh, a vacation that I have planned myself uh, as opposed to buying a package or going through a travel agent? It's something that I've, you know, just planned. I booked my accommodations and I'm going to drive down to Myrtle Beach. Can I even get travel insurance for something as simple as that? Yes, you can. Um, so it really doesn't matter if you're booking it yourself or booking, booking through a travel agent. Um, you are still eligible to get travel insurance. Um, you want to ensure the uh, full prepaid non-refundable cost of the trip. Uh, and that can include uh, your accommodations, flights, if you're going on a cruise, the, the cost of that, uh, any tours. So, um, so yeah, you can always just come to our site, insuremytrip.com, put in your uh, trip information, and you'll receive different quotes. Uh, for different plans and um, the ability to compare them all and see which one might be the best fit for you. So you mentioned a, a number of things that uh, could be covered. And again, different policies will have different coverages, but I want to throw out uh, maybe some scenarios. And I'm sure that you get these kind of questions all the time and there are no absolutes here, but in general, what if, uh, for example, a trip is not canceled, but cut short? Uh, maybe I have to book an earlier flight home at the last minute because of uh, the effects of a storm right there may be a trip interruption coverage that uh, you can end the trip early and uh, be reimbursed for the unused portion of the trip uh, there may also be coverage for that emergency uh, flight back home if needed um, again it's all based on the the wording and the terms of the policy uh, but in different scenarios, there may be coverage to uh, interrupt the trip and return home early. And uh, let's say the worst happens and uh, the place I'm staying is damaged uh, due to a storm and I have to go to a new hotel or a different city. Uh, does it also matter the type of place I'm say staying, whether it's a resort, a hotel, an Airbnb, that kind of thing? All of those are able to be covered. It's really going to depend on the, the scenario. So if yeah. you book, say, an Airbnb and um, it's damaged due to uh, the storm coming through, uh, there may be coverage for if you have to cancel or interrupt your trip. Or go somewhere um, else. Or it's really so, going to depend on the wording of the policy. If yeah. You have to yeah. uh, you know, but change again, accommodation. 
but again, those are things that you would want to ask and you would want to look at uh, within a travel insurance policy. Um, again, similar thing here. If uh, if something that I bring with me on vacation gets damaged, um, you know, if again, if I'm driving to a, a destination and my car gets damaged, is that going to be in a, a travel insurance claim or is that going to be through my regular insurance policy? So if it's your personal vehicle, that's most likely going to be through your personal auto policy. Gotcha. Um, some policies do have coverage, though, if you uh, rent a vehicle during your trip okay. and it is damaged. So that is an optional coverage you may be able to purchase for a rental car. What if, and and this is, uh, I'm sure, a big question that a lot of folks uh, will have. What if it's getting close to the day that I'm supposed to leave? There's a possible storm brewing we're hearing about in the news, and I just don't want to chance it. There is an optional uh, coverage on some plans called cancel for any reason. Uh, and this is really sort of the ultimate flexibility to uh, cancel your trip due to fear of something that could be happening. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're uh, a little ways out and, um, you know, you're hearing there may be some weather issues and you're like, "Eh, I'm just not really comfortable traveling right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Cancel for any reason could be a a really good option for you. It is time sensitive. So you have to be purchasing that coverage usually within uh, 10 to 21 days after making that initial deposit or payment for the trip. And one thing to keep in mind with this benefit is you have to be canceling uh, no later than uh, two days prior to departure. Okay. So uh, reinforces uh, the uh, point that you want to uh, add on your travel insurance or get your travel insurance early uh, to yes. protect yourself uh, in all of that. And one of the other uh, things to uh, make sure that we emphasize is that this is really the only way that you are guaranteed to be protected. For example, you get to the airport and you find out your flight's been canceled or moved to the next day or something like that because of a uh, coming storm. There's really not a whole lot of responsibility that the airline has uh, to reimburse you or you know any of your other ancillary expenses that go along with uh, vacation plans that get upended. Right. Yeah. The airlines they may try to work with you, but there's really no guarantee. Same thing with uh, resorts, hotels, Airbnbs, you know, all of that. So uh, it's definitely something that you want to keep in mind because we're into hurricane season now. Like we said, it's not something that we have to deal with here necessarily. But if we are vacationing to one of any number of places, it may be something that uh, you want to keep on your radar, so to speak. Megan Walsh uh, is with us from insuremytrip.com. And uh, Megan, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So one of the big news stories over the weekend, President Biden signed into law the compromise debt limit bill that he and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy hammered out last week. It was a classic Washington compromise. The only thing that everyone truly agreed on was that a debt default could not be allowed to happen. Beyond that, it was a battle on both sides for what they want and what they don't want to be attached to the suspension of the debt limit. And even though the deal is done, that doesn't mean that battle is over. 
as the bill does leave some of the specifics on those cuts up for debate. Last week, after the measure passed both houses of Congress, we spoke with Amelia Keegan, the Associate General Secretary for Policy and Advocacy at the Friends Committee on National Legislation. You are pushing back against cuts to social spending. What are the most egregious points on that, in your view, the ones that will hit the hardest for the most people? One of the most egregious is that um, older uh, adults who are struggling to find work uh, are going to face real limitations on their nutrition assistance. So they will only be able to access nutrition assistance from the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program for three months out of a a three-year period while they're struggling to find work. Um, And we know that it's if you're older, it's harder to find a job after you get laid out than takes more time. So that's one of the big ones. The other ones are there are some pretty stringent caps that are going to limit spending for all other um, programs, everything else that the government does from education, transportation, job training, housing assistance, nutrition, just across the board. On those spending caps, I want to clarify or, or just go into that a little bit uh, here. Those mm-hmm. on those on the right have argued that these cuts are not as drastic as maybe they have been made out to be. Essentially, they say they want to return to pre-pandemic spending levels. In other words, where we would be if we hadn't had all of that temporary, well, what was supposed to be temporary emergency spending in the first place. It was supposed to be temporary. Let's go back to where we would have been had we not had that influx of emergency spending. Why is that not a reasonable request? Well, for two things. One is a lot of what they're talking about, the pandemic, emergency spending, a lot of that has actually expired and expired a while ago. Things like the child tax credit that um, went out to millions of households across the country. Those expanded benefits ended at the end of 2021. Um, what we're talking about here, these spending caps are more about what um, just general spending for what the government does and has been doing for decades and decades. You know, the housing assistance, basic education, basic tra- uh, infrastructure, transportation, uh, nutrition assistance, community violence intervention, those sorts of things. And uh, it's true that with the uh, House uh, passed bill, the, the earlier House passed bill, and what Republicans um, have been, many Republicans have been calling for, would be much more drastic in the cuts that they were pushing. Um, but you have to say the needs of the country have really changed uh, since the pandemic, pre- predominantly inflation. And we think about where costs have gone um, just to be able to keep up with current government services for the current population mm-hmm. um that needs to increase and if you're not increasing it ends up being a cut yeah and i i get the the argument there but it's almost a paradox isn't it that uh you know again the the other flip side of that argument is that the more you continue to spend the more that has uh an inflationary effect and will uh, actually contribute to furthering the problem so isn't it just kind of a vicious circle 
Well, I would say I, my, and you'd have to talk to other economists about this, but to my understanding is that a lot of these sorts of um, what we're talking about for this sort of programming actually has a very minimal impact on inflation. And if we're looking at trying to be fiscally responsible, we have to look at the entire budget. And that includes things like asking wealthier individuals and corporations to pay their fair share to help address deficits and debt, of which this uh, this debt ceiling deal does nothing in terms of asking, uh, closing any sort of tax loopholes. And actually, there is a provision that makes it easier for wealthy individuals to get away with um, cheating on their taxes. And then the other piece that um, the Friends Committee really looks at is around the Pentagon budget. This uh, deal does not uh, have allows the Pentagon budget to continue to increase. Um, and there are actually some programs that the Department of Defense itself has said are wasteful, are actually not um, strategic, given kind of how uh, the global uh, our, our, our global operations have sort of shifted over the past um, and, and global threats have shifted over the past couple decades. Mm-hmm. And so those are some areas where the Department of Defense defense itself has said those can be cut back um, and yet there have been no kind of efforts to to rein those particular uh, pieces in. I, I also want to go back and uh, touch on one of the things you brought up uh, earlier and that was the increase in the age limits for the work requirements for SNAP uh, recipients. Uh, surveys show that, and and the polls show that a wide swath of Americans uh, agree with uh, the idea of making sure that those who are uh, able to work and contribute are doing so uh, in order to qualify for those uh, benefits. Um, and again, also uh, in the broader sense, uh, the polls show that uh, people understand that there are cuts that are going to have to be made. We're uh, $31 trillion in debt and talking about raising the debt limit yet again. And this is not sustainable at some point. Uh, there are going to have to be some uh, major cuts uh, discussed even beyond what we're discussing uh, here. And And again, many Americans understand this. So is this uh, sort of uh, fighting an uphill battle to preserve all of this spending uh, in in the way that you advocate, or are there areas where we can rein in these expenses, bring the budget back into uh, closer to balance, uh, so that you know this doesn't get to the point where it is even more out of control than it already is? If you understand what I'm saying here. Yeah, well, I would say two things. One is we should have these conversations around the budget, around the actual budget process, rather than Fair holding enough. the full faith and credit of the U.S. hostage to to getting um, policies passed, that many of which would not pass through the regular legislative process. So I think that's the 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 first piece of that. The second of when you talk specifically around the work requirements piece, you know, SNAP. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program does have pretty austere um, work requirements that individuals are limited. If you're not working, you can only receive three months of SNAP benefits over a three-year period. Now, there are some exceptions, and right. one of those is recognizing that older adults 
tend to, after getting laid off or losing a job, it can often take more longer than three months to find a new job. And also those um, restrictions carry with them a lot of red tape and bureaucratic reporting requirements that oftentimes lead people to lose assistance who are working just because they can't necessarily, um, the bureaucratic red tape gets too complicated um, or ends up um, cutting off people who, who actually are eligible for the benefits. So that's one of the concerns that we have around the kind of uh, um, having the yeah. uh, older, older yeah. Americans subject to the work requirements. And the other piece of it is, is that the vast majority of individuals who are receiving SNAP actually are working. They are working or they're in situations where we wouldn't expect them to work, right? Because they have some sort of health issue or disability that prevents them from work, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're taking care of really young children. And, you know, from FCNL's standpoint, SNAP should be a nutrition program. It should help people feed themselves. If we want to help get people into the workforce, let's focus on the barriers that are preventing people from getting a job. So oftentimes, maybe employment, uh, the job opportunities are far away from where someone lives and they need uh, help the transportation to be able to get to their job oh, fair or point. child care is a, yeah, child care being a huge uh, problem as yeah. well. So all, uh, all fair, yeah. all fair points. Uh, I, I guess the, the long and short of it is, and, and maybe we should end here is that uh, despite wherever <laughs> this deal goes, these are conversations that will still have to be had. I mean, would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the spending caps, the amount of money is being set, but how Congress decides to divvy up that pie, still some really big questions about what they're going to prioritize and what programs will get cut and what programs will see uh, uh, less harsh cut. We will uh, continue to watch this uh, as it continues to be an issue beyond uh, the immediate headline grabbing issue of the past week or so. Amelia Keegan, again, the Friends Committee on National Legislation. Amelia, thanks very much for taking the time, sharing your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you. So it may be summer vacation season, but many students are already preparing for next year. The Findlay Middle School's Shockwave Drumline Summer Audition Camp is coming up next week. Uh, Director Brian Shee is with us uh, in the studio this morning, along with some of the members of the Shockwave Drumline. We have Kylie Rose, Josh Lickley, and Haley Naylor. Do I have all of the uh, names right? Okay, so we're starting off on the uh, on the right foot. Uh, so, first of all, Brian, this has uh, been around. This is the middle school uh, yes. indoor drumline, which has been around for, golly, 20-plus years now, right? Yep. We're the, starting our 26th season wow. this year. That is Now, uh, just to clarify, this is uh, for students from both middle schools? Yes. Okay. Yes, and we have uh, occasionally a St. Mike's kid or two as well. Okay. Very cool. So, uh, the three of you have been involved uh, with the uh, drumline for how long? Is this for all middle schoolers? I mean, sixth grade right on through Mm -hmm. eighth grade. How long have, uh, have you all been involved? So Kylie and I have been in it for six about years. six years now. Uh, Haley, <laughs> one year. So. For so, so you're not a rookie this year, but you were last year. Yeah. Okay. So six years. Uh, how, how does that work? I mean, you haven't been in middle school for six years, yeah. right? So we were in 
there's kind of two drum lines. There's um, a regional group, which is um, an easier going. It's less time, mm-hmm. but you still have as much fun. But it's just less time. Okay. And then there's kind of the we call it the big group. It's more kids, more time. We go to more competitions. Um, so that's kind of what that is. And you mentioned competitions. I know Shockwave has uh, been really super successful when it comes to competitions, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk about uh, some of the accomplishments uh, that that you guys have had in some of the competitions that you've gone to. And where have you gone, first of all? Um, we've been to, like, all around the state. We've been to Michigan <laughs> a few times. Mm-hmm. We go to regional. Mm-hmm. It's like a regional show. We go to that up in Michigan. Okay. Then we go to state championships down in Wapakoneta. And then we go to world championships in Dayton, and that's at the arena. And how many other middle school drum lines uh, are in these competitions? Not a lot. Not I want to say there's... I, I don't think there's any just strictly middle school drum lines. We're probably the only one for that. We usually like our class. Yeah, we usually go up against like high school students. We and, saw one uh, back in Houston about uh, seven or eight years ago that came up to Dayton. That's about mm-hmm. it. And, and uh, so what kind of looks do you get? So you walk in to these competitions, right? And, and you know, there are opportunities to interact with the members of other drum lines and, and so on. So what's the, the first reaction that you get? What's the... I'd say most people are, like, surprised to see, like, kids so young <laughs> yeah. competing and, like, with, like, other high schoolers. Yeah. Especially because this past year we had a third grader in it who's short. <laughs> <laughs> so when they look, they see a bunch of kids who yeah. are a lot shorter. Yeah. And, and then is that part of the fun of it is you you get on the stage then and not only hold your own but actually uh, do very well, uh, you know, in competing with these uh, yeah. older groups. Yeah. yeah. This past year we went to state championships in Wapakoneta and we actually won that this year. So we won state championships. Put those guys in their place. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the the uh, I want to say the looks we kind of get. Yeah. It's. It's a lot. They don't know what to do because mm. when they get beat by middle schoolers and their high school college students, Take it's that. yeah. Now we mentioned uh, Brian. The uh, upcoming summer audition camp is next week, right? Yep, uh, we're June twelfth through the sixteenth, nine a.m. to one p.m. It's every day at Donnell Middle School. We start in the band room and. Uh, we branch out from there so the students get an opportunity to try a little bit of everything, uh, all the equipment. They put down what their top three instruments are, mm-hmm. and then we assign them an instrument for the season. So uh, anyone can uh, try out mm-hmm. for this? Yep. Uh, all they have to do is uh, just register, and if they're not registered yet, they can get a hold of me. Uh, sorry to give the number out. Sure, absolutely. All right. The uh, number they can call is 419 419- three five zero four seven one eight that goes right to me they can also text at that number too uh but anyway all they do is get registered and then just come to the camp just be there at the mm-hmm. at the camp yep. and then the uh, lineup will be it'll be on your uh, on your way to getting ready for uh, next year because this is something that uh i mean it, it doesn't happen obviously overnight to have this kind of success so it, it is but uh, i'll tell you what it's it's been a great journey and uh 
it's uh what was it we get started with the first part here uh, next week and then uh, they'll do a few parades over the summer to kind of mm-hmm. get them rolling towards it so you'll see us at the uh, Finley's 4th of July, you'll see us at Van Loo and Arlington and all that stuff, too. So, now, Haley, as we mentioned, uh, you said you are coming up on your second year. So, you've been in uh, in this for a year. So, you went through the audition in the you know for the first time last year, right? Or Last year, I was kind of thrown in in <laughs> August. <laughs> okay. So, I didn't end up going through the auditions. Okay. I just Started, I guess. All right, so this will be your first uh, time through the camp. Well, let me throw this out to uh, to all of you. Uh, what do you do uh, during the during the summer, during the camp, and then during the summer to get ready for the uh, season itself? What's involved uh, in that? How much uh, work is there during the summer? Um, during the summer, there is some work. Like we'll sometimes have like a Monday practice, mm-hmm. so like we get like some music down, or we work on like warm ups. So. You're not giving up your entire summer. No. Yeah. No. no. Okay. So the just summer, make sure that the summer is very relaxed. Yeah. It's a lot. Just working on warm ups because every season we kind of start from the ground up because we have new, mm-hmm. we have new people coming in. We have new uh, yeah. people working with us. So we kind of start from the ground up. We just work on warm ups and then the season gets going and we get off on a good start. Very cool. That's the way to do it. Uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for uh, more information about Shockwave and about the uh, summer audition camp, which again uh, begins a week from today, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, make sure you check that out uh, at goodmornings.net. Again, uh, Director Brian Shee and uh, Shockwave members Kylie Rose, Josh Lickley, and uh, Haley T- uh, Naylor with us uh, this morning. Guys, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Good luck with the uh, with the camp and have lots of fun this summer. Thank you. Thank you. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A Florida family's dinner took an unexpected turn when an unidentified man crashed through their front door dressed only in a bathing suit, claimed to be a ghost, and seemed shocked that the family could see him. (laughs) Only in Florida could something like this happen. Uh, Unexpected... Identified man crashed through the front door, dressed only in a bathing suit, claimed to be a ghost, and was surprised, shocked even, that uh, the family could actually see him. After causing a bit of a scene inside, he made his way to a truck belonging to some tree trimmers and locked himself inside, declaring it to be his new home. (laughs) Eventually, the man was convinced to leave the truck He uh, fled the scene, still in his bathing suit. Uh, The family contacted the authorities but requested that no charges be pressed. They are hoping instead just to get the man the help he he so obviously and desperately needs. (laughs) So, dinner and a show. Uh, (laughs) We don't want him arrested. We just want him to get the help that he so obviously and desperately needs. Oh, elsewhere in the broken news, our dumb criminal of the day, also from the Sunshine State of Florida, this in Spring Hill, where a woman attempted to rob a Wells Fargo bank on Wednesday of last week, but uh, turned out it was all a joke. 
According to local news reports, the Hernando County Sheriff's Office say uh, Vanessa Ortega entered the Wells Fargo Bank branch with a uh, bright blue object. Blight? Let's try that again. And it's really early on a Monday morning. Entered the bank with a bright blue object that vaguely resembled a firearm. Thrust it into the air. It was obvious it wasn't a firearm. Just vaguely resembled a firearm. Thrust it into the air and bellowed, This is a robbery. Give me all your money. Then she allegedly made her way to the teller window and declared, Just kidding. (laughs) She attempted to casually withdraw funds from her own account and then leave the bank. Uh, Since Ms. Ortega frequented that Wells Fargo location, staff quickly identified her to detectives who had the added advantage of previous law enforcement contacts with her. (laughs) So, they they knew who she was. Uh, She was arrested at a separate location where police were called for uh, an unrelated disturbance. The sheriff's office said Ms. Ortega told deputies she entered the bank with a Nerf-style gun and admitted to yelling, this is a robbery, give me all your money. But she allegedly told deputies she was just joking. (laughs) I I don't know, she seemed surprised they didn't have a sense of humor about this. Uh, She was placed under arrest and faces two counts of attempted robbery with a weapon and given a $20,000 bond. She may have to... She may have to uh, rob it. She may wish she had robbed the bank so she would have the money for her bond. <laughs> just kidding. As if yelling just kidding makes it all okay. <clears throat> Dumb criminal of the day. In New Mexico, it seems there was a little mix-up at a uh, local Sonic drive-in location. Uh, this uh, was Espanola, New Mexico. Way a customer, the Sonic drive-in, ordered a hot dog, ended up with a bag of cocaine. Yeah, a bit of a mix-up there. Uh, it happened last week. The woman was enjoying a chili and cheese hot dog when she bit into something plastic. Uh, that's when she discovered the unexpected add-on, a baggie of cocaine. She promptly called police, and the employee responsible, 54-year-old Jeffrey David Salazar... Uh, discovered he had inadvertently placed the narcotics in the food item while preparing the food order, according to police. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I'll just take that back. Well, um, doesn't work that way. He was also caught on camera dis- uh, desperately scouring his work area as if he had lost something. <laughs> it was only after... The uh, police recalled that he dis- that they discovered what it was that he had lost. <clears throat> Mr. Salazar is placed under arrest, now faces a felony charge of possession of a controlled substance. <clears throat> this is crazy, and maybe you can look up the video. I have not seen this video, um, but I'm going to have to look this up. Uh, kind of a kind of like a scene straight out of the Dukes of Hazard. A wild video captured the moment a driver hit a tow truck's flatbed and went flying through the air in South Georgia. Uh, local news channels uh, obtained the body camera video from the local county sheriff's office uh, from the crash. In the video, you can see deputies on the side of a traffic in- incident 
on U.S. Route 84, when a car comes down one of the lanes, does not slow down, goes up the back of the tow truck, flips through the air. Uh, one of the deputies immediately springs into action, rushing to help the driver of the, the truck. Uh, Georgia State Patrol confirmed the driver survived the crash. The driver of the car survived the crash, but was hospitalized with serious injuries. You, you see that on TV, right? It, car comes up behind a flatbed truck or whatever and ramps it. Usually, you know, they stage those very carefully. In this case, just naturally happen. Crazy. In case you ever think, that had never happened in real life. In this case, it did. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is a little unusual story for the uh, broken news, but uh, I definitely got a chuckle out of this. Apparently... There is a pink emergency in this country. Uh, There is a a shortage of pink paint. And the new Barbie movie is to blame. I kid you not. In a recent interview, uh, the the director of the new Barbie movie, Greta Gerwig, explained that in an effort to create the world of Barbie land, set designers needed so much pink paint that they caused a shortage, not only in this country, but internationally. <laughs> so this is, this is the big thing now. And it's not a, on, on the scale of, you know, like the baby food shortage or a toilet paper shortage or you know, during the pandemic, anything like that. But it's still uh, rather concerning, apparently. Uh, international shortage of pink paint, all because of the uh, new Barbie movie. Warner Brothers Pictures completely bought out the signature Barbie pink color from uh, major paint distributor Roscoe. A spokesperson for the paint company said, We gave them everything we could, but Warner Brothers completely cleaned them out. And so anyone who is looking to buy pink paint, Barbie pink paint, has not been able to find it. Um, the movie will be out on July 21st. It does not say in the report how soon uh, Barbie pink paint might be available once again for sale. As far as I'm concerned, I think maybe they did the world a public service. You know what I mean? It's not such a bad thing. You can't find Barbie pink paint anywhere. Uh, There you go. That is uh, today's Broken News Report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, this seems to be like one of the uh, big buzzwords, especially young among young people, but really uh, in our society as a whole uh, today. What kind of vibe does a place give off? You go to a new business or an office space, what kind of vibe do you get? 
Well, believe it or not, this can have a significant impact, a significant and immediate impact on the success of a commercial space. New poll, new survey of 3,000 individuals in North America that was split evenly by generation, uh, this poll. So there's no generational bias here. This is across all generations. Well, wanted to determine what, uh, how, how uh, a place's vibe impacts the interactions people have with office spaces and other local businesses like uh, restaurants, cafes, hotels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. To give an idea of uh, how important this is, 83% of those in the survey, and again, this is across all generations, 83% say they are more likely to go back to a business after picking up a good vibe there. 82% say that they are less likely to go back to a business after picking up a bad vibe. And even beyond that, 35% said that they would actively dissuade others from going there as well. They pick up a bad vibe. And even more, 42% of Gen Zers specifically said that they would never go back to a place after getting a bad vibe. So you get one shot at this. So what creates a good vibe? Cleanliness, above and beyond everything else, 53%. Lots of windows, uh, 32% said windows, natural light. 31% said good smells. Um, Unpleasant smells, the greatest indicator of bad vibes, according to 53% of those in the poll. 41% said dirty environments. 32% cited dead or unkempt plants in a place of business. So, and by the way, while 54% of those in the survey said atmosphere uh, is one of the first things that, you know, plays into whether a place has a good vibe or not, another 54% said better service would improve the vibe of a place. So ambiance and good customer interactions kind of equally important in creating the vibe of your office or your business. The Findlay Hancock County Public Library's annual Summer Read program is now underway. The official kickoff of the event registration started, what, I guess about a week and a half ago or so. Uh, But the official kickoff event is happening today at the library. And in case you missed it last week, Youth Services Manager Brittany Lutz dropped by the studio to tell us more about this year's Summer Read. The theme this year is All Together Now. Yes, so um, every year the the National Committee comes up with a great theme for us this year. It is All Together Now, which is a celebration of friendship, unity, kindness. Um, And we're really taking it as an opportunity to celebrate our community coming together. So at the library, we do that by coming together and reading. So June 5th is our official big kickoff day. We'll have activities at the library from 10 to 6 p.m. We'll have face painters there, snacks, arts and crafts, all kinds of fun stuff to do there. And then just a summer full of activities. So uh, let's highlight some of the uh, things that you've got coming up. Uh, You mentioned the uh, kickoff. That is June 5th. And then what else is going on at the library through the summer that kind of ties into Summer Read? Right. So we'll have regular programming every week, story times every week, maker space. We have a drawing club that's once a month. We have 
special nights for our tweens. We have teen nights. Um, we'll have a Lego club every other week. We're doing a knitting program, um, an escape room. We just have so many things going on. <laughs> that that seems like uh, like one extreme to another. A knitting program and an escape room. Yes. So By my can, safe staff, same staff member. <laughs> now here's here's something. I'm just going to throw this out here. You could combine the two, and you could uh, knit in the escape room. You have to knit, knit your to way, get out. Knit your way out. Yes. You, <laughs> you know, knit and and it's funny. I I joke, but knitting actually became like really popular during the pandemic. People learning how to do this. It, yeah. It seemed like for a while it was almost like an lost art my grandmother used to do. But There is. There's been this kind of return to handcrafts, yeah. what they call them, yeah. knitting, crocheting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we have a staff member that's running it and some volunteers that are coming in that are going to teach the kids Very cool. the basics of what they need to know to get started. Very cool. Um, so... Uh, the entire list of uh, activities and everything is uh, there on the website. Yeah. And the, these are activities geared for all ages? Yeah, we have something for everyone. I mean, I've only highlighted the stuff for the kids and teens, um, mm-hmm. but that's birth through high school. Yeah. Um, but we have stuff for adults, too. We have great programming for any age it's all on our website or you can come in and pick up a handy calendar that has everything laid out for you the days of the week um it's jam-packed so (laughs) just to reinforce the uh the theme of uh, all together now is something that you know people can can do with their families you're looking for something to do in the summertime there's always something going on now uh we mentioned the theme but are there there are not like specific reading materials connected to summer read no we just want everyone to have fun and enjoy what they pick out so we kind of set a a goal of you know a thousand minutes for the summer so that you can count that as you know i read this magazine for five minutes i read this chapter book for an hour you know we realize that since it is an all ages program you have a lot of different abilities Mm -hmm. going on so if you're being read to you're reading independently whatever you're doing whatever you're reading we want it to count you can do number of books read you can do minutes read you can do uh, participating in activities for you know some of our our kiddos that you know might be struggling with reading Mm -hmm. anything involving literacy we want it to count the the idea and the fact that there is not a a reading list uh is deliberate because the idea is to get away from that assigned reading kind of thing and have people, especially young people, rediscover the idea that reading for pleasure and reading whatever they like is a, a lifelong activity. Yes, it's so important. And I think um, one of the things about Summer Slide, you know, that's the the when summer it hits is, and they're not doing it every it every summer. Yes, it is it, Educators will tell you that the Summer Slide, the brain draining. Yeah. yeah, so it's just encouraging any type of engagement with mm-hmm. reading, literacy, yeah. education. Um, we want it all to count. We just want it to be a fun activity. Yeah. Uh, now, that being said, you are always available to make some suggestions for yes. for people. I mean, if you know a kid is not sure what they want to read. Right. So we have we have an amazing staff that are just ready to do readers advisory. They we love those questions. You come in and you tell us, you know, I I really like this book and we can give you something similar mm-hmm. or you know, we really are we're looking for mystery books or we're looking for sports books. 
you name it, we can help you pick it out. We do have some nice themed lists on our, our Read Squared program that mm-hmm. all connect with the theme. Um, but we also just have some fun summer. Like, these are fun books to read during the summer. And that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that they're just books that take place in the summer. They might be things that are just really, like, fun and easy. The type Good of summer things reads. You, you recommend. Yeah, summer, summer reads. Uh, so the registration begins on a Sunday. Folks can sign up. And then how does this work real quickly for those who sign up? Right. So you will automatically be sorted into a program based by your age. That mm-hmm. is very flexible. We're happy to go in and make a change. You know, if you've got two kiddos that are like six and, and 12 and you want them in the same program, mm-hmm just so that they're doing the same thing. Very flexible, but it will automatically sort you just as a suggestion. You go in, you explore, there's reading challenges, there's missions, which are, you know, fun things that you can do. Like They often involve getting out in the community, like visiting little free libraries or okay. um, going to our pop-up story walks that we have all summer. Um, and then there's bingo boards and just all kinds of different ways to engage with reading on different levels for everybody's different experiences. You earn points for everything that you log. As long as you're engaging with the program, if you're doing two points a week or if you're doing 300 points a week, like you're all good. It's all going to count. You're going to get entered in for prizes. Yeah, so, I was going to say, at the end of the summer, then there are prizes. There's some. There's prizes all summer. All so summer long. we do weekly drawings. So as long as you've engaged with the program in some way, you're eligible. And then, Very yeah, good. at the end, we have our big grand prizes. Once again, our conversation from last week with Brittany Lutz, Youth Services Manager at the Finley Hancock County Public Library, about their annual summer read program, the official kickoff event happening later today. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Northwest Ohio just experienced its driest May since the Dust Bowl nearly a century ago. And what impact does that have on the region's farmers who just got their crops in the ground? So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.